your Locked On Avalanche, your daily podcast on the Colorado Avalanche. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode of the podcast dedicated to your Colorado Avalanche. And a big week this week for Locked On Avalanche as we get prepared for the hockey season. Uh, we are not that far away from finally getting some hockey. January 13th is when the Avalanche will drop the puck uh, against the St. Louis Blues. And to prepare for this upcoming season, uh, we are going to have guests on from different realms of the Avalanche world talking about different topics. And today we are going to have Will Scouch from Scouching, and we'll be talking about the Avalanche prospects. Will is, has a phenomenal YouTube page and uh, Twitter feed and uh, Instagram feed that uh, he he's a numbers guy and grew up a numbers guy. So he kind of, you know, when numbers became a big deal in the world of sports, it was kind of natural for him just to pick up on that. And you will see that in how he talks about some of the avalanche prospects. So that is going to be the conversation today. Tomorrow uh, from Mile High Sticking, we will have King Dowett on and we'll be kind of talking about some of the big storylines for the avalanche going into this season. On Wednesday, Ian Comist from the Avs Insider will be on, and we will be talking about uh, the Avs' expectations this year. Expectations are high, so we will be discussing that and everything that comes with being the team to beat heading into a season. On Thursday, Kyle Sullivan. You know Kyle very well from being on this show, uh, and we will be talking to him about the fan side of things and uh, the excitement. If you If you are on social media and follow a lot of Avs fans and just the Avalanche uh, accounts, there's there's a lot of excitement going on uh, with the Colorado Avalanche. And I think a lot of it maybe comes from the other teams in the state maybe not doing the best. Uh, so maybe a lot of that excitement has shifted to the Avalanche. So we'll talk to Kyle about that. And then we will round the week out on Friday with Scott Cullen, who is our fantasy expert he hosts locked on fantasy hockey so we will be talking about the avalanche players and how they could improve your fantasy hockey team and the value that some of the players on this team have that will be an exciting talk with scott so today like i said it's uh, will from scouching and we will be discussing some of the the prospects and the maybe maybe some guys we, we cover a lot guys that are right there on the verge guys that have played some games for the Avalanche so far and maybe guys that are a couple years away and there's one guy in particular who will really really seems to like uh, that could be on the Avalanche in the next couple seasons so stay tuned for what he thinks of that player in particular. So before we get over to Will, we are going to hear from our people from Bet Online. And if you are <clears throat> wanting to get into the sports betting with the football season that is now going into the playoffs without the Denver Broncos, unfortunately, but there's still games to be played. We saw some incredible games in the college realm. 
uh, and or if you wanted to get into sports like hockey that are just starting and put your money down on the favorite on betonline.ag, which is our Colorado Avalanche, feel free to do that. You can bet on practically anything in any sport. Like I said, the NFL is hitting off in their playoffs, which are always big for some gambling. So head over to betonline.ag, sign up today for a free account, and use the promo code Locked On, and you will get a 50% welcome bonus. So whatever you put in for your first deposit, BetOnline will give you 50% more. Why not start with 100 throw 100 bucks in there, and you got 150 right in your account. So... Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code. It's locked on for that 50% welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And definitely follow them on social media. Follow them at betonline underscore ag. And one last time, that promo code for 50% welcome bonus is locked on. All right, we're going to take a quick little break here. And when we come back... Uh, some prospect knowledge is going to be dropped by Will Scouch from Scouching. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. And with me for the first week of our prep week, or the first day of our prep, prep week, is Will Scouch from Scouching. Uh, and if you're not familiar with Will, I'll let him introduce himself and where you can find him because he has a incredible uh, YouTube channel, among other things. So first, Will, thank you for coming on the show and doing this and kind of looking into some of the Avalanche prospects. Well, thank you very much, Chris. It's great to uh, to be here. Uh, yeah, so I run a YouTube channel, Scouching, and also my Twitter feed is full of information as well. Um, there's a Patreon as well if you want to support my work. You also get a bunch of perks there as well, data visualizations and access to data spreadsheets and such for, for prospects and, and guys who have also been drafted. So a lot of good stuff to find uh, on, the, on the platform. So definitely check it out. Uh, and you can find everything at scouching.ca. And you... I mean, you, you just grew up being what, like a, like a numbers geek and it kind of led you into hockey. Basically. Yeah. I mean, like I've always been the dork, uh, in school and everything. Um, you know, I was never good at hockey. I, I loved it <laughs> growing up. I adored yeah. the sport, uh, and very quickly realized that I was not very good at it myself, <laughs> okay. uh, but I did take a lot of interest in the draft and the business side of it from an early age. And, you know, it's just sort of been sort of a hobby of mine to sort of keep up with, you know, the world juniors and, and young players that are coming out and, and tracking careers as they, they, they grow. Um, and so when the analytics sort of revolution happened in the 2010s, I, uh, I sort of latched onto it pretty strongly and over the years got more comfortable. Um, maybe university background and some stats and, and analysis tools and biomechanics. So it all kind of naturally flowed and, and I just sort of in my spare time have decided to sort of start this up and that's kind of where it came from. Yeah. And you do a great job and it shows that you, you, you know, you didn't just come across this. Like it, it shows that you grew up kind of uh, being a numbers guy. So uh, I love the, I love the channel. So uh, I appreciate you coming on because you are a Maple Leafs fan, correct? According to your website. Well, now I grew up in Toronto. <laughs> okay. Uh, I can't help that I grew up in Toronto. Um, I try to be as neutral as possible. I certainly have been critical of the Toronto Maple Leafs in the past, but uh, okay. I like to think of myself as the kind of person who can set any innate biases from being a Toronto person gotcha. uh, aside. <laughs> uh, gotcha. I was going to say, well, thank you for coming on an Avalanche show. Uh, 
being a Maple Leafs fan. But like I said, <laughs> your 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 channel is not just beholden to the Maple Leafs. It is across no. the board uh, equal billing to every team. So yes. Um. All right. Let's dive into some Avalanche prospects, and I figured we'd do this kind of in tiers kind of the ones that everybody knows or has heard about. And then you know, maybe like the middle of the road guys and maybe some sleepers towards the end. So uh, we got the world juniors going on and, you know, the, the name, at least in avalanche circles and really in junior circles, maybe not so much, but um, because he's not, I mean, he's having a good junior uh, tournament, but um, I think some people were expecting him to maybe just like take off, but it is, is bone Byram. Um Obviously, I think he's got to be number one on the Avalanche prospect list. Um, when he, when his draft happened in 2019, did he go where you thought he would go? Was he rated higher than you? We'll start with that, and then we'll get into his game. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to double check my rankings because I would like to get it right. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, yeah. So Bowen Byram was my third ranked guy that year. Um, I was frankly very surprised that that's the direction the Colorado Avalanche went. Um, I, I thought that they had a lot of sort of similar players, guys like Sam Gerrard, uh, Kale McCarr, of course, um, even Connor Timmins to a certain extent has a bit of that sort of high octane, you know, aggressive defense sort of, you know, it's not as intense as a guy like Kale McCarr or whatever, but, but it's there. Um, but for them to add more of that with Bowen Byram, I mean, it kind of just goes to show like they're testing out how to play defense that way and sort of spreading it through your lineup and basically rolling lines where on any given moment, your defenseman can sort of take over offensively. And so with Bowen Byram, I mean, I think his world junior this year has been better than kind of than what you alluded to. I think Mm -hmm. he's really sort of showcased what it is that he's really good at. And I think his defensive game is, you know, he's going to be a guy where I think you're going to, you're going to think that he's pretty solid defensively and not something to necessarily worry about, but the offense is where it's going to sort of outweigh any sort of negatives. Um, so you're, you, I think you have a really special sort of combination of aggressive offensive defensive tendencies. And I mean, it seems to me like the Colorado Avalanche have quite a, almost a monopoly on those types of players in this age group. So he went around where I thought he would go. I mean, I thought that the Avalanche might go in a bit of a different direction with with maybe a, a more high octane forward that they kind of lack in their system, but they have lots of those in their lineup already. So it was a situation where I don't think they could have gone wrong, yeah. um, especially considering that pick came from trading Matt Duchesne. Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, they got, I think, a great player. I think arguably one of the better players available. He was the top player in my second tier that year. So he was ranked three for me just behind Hughes and Kako. So, and, and I mean, he, he certainly looks like he could potentially be just about that good looking back a couple of years later. Yeah. And I get, I'm hearing there's rumors now that based on how he's playing um, in the juniors. And I, knew, I didn't want to make it sound like, you know, he's not having a good juniors. I think people uh, attribute how a player is doing to points um and if they don't want to t- actually watch the game and take into how he's actually playing he's playing i think spectacular um they're kind of throwing around the idea of maybe we can slot him in now <laughs> i don't yeah. know if that's actually going to happen but yeah we'll see i mean I-, I know people were kind of concerned about his production last season with the vancouver giants i personally saw them play quite a bit i don't really think I, I think that was more of a tactical thing. He didn't seem as confident um, on his feet, especially because he was a guy who loves to sort of 
get hand at the puck and go through the neutral zone on his own. And he seemed to be a little bit less confident doing that last year, but it kind of improved as the year went on and definitely, definitely seeing more of that sort of comfort level in the world juniors this year from what I've seen. So I think it's entirely possible that he could get a shot. I mean, now that there are taxi squads and a lot of guys likely coming in and out, it could very well happen. Um, And I certainly think it would be maybe more beneficial to him relative to maybe going back to the whl because i mean who knows if there even is going to be a whl season this year yeah that's true you had said you were a little surprised that they took him uh being a defender and kind of being you know pretty short up at that position so then what was your reaction this year uh when they took justin Barron um at 25 i i think that that shocked me i i was not expecting them to go defense again um so Tell me what your your thought was when they took him, and then what are your thoughts on Justin Barron? Yeah, I mean, Justin Barron was a guy who I think if the draft were, say, for 17-year-olds, like if it was 2019 and you were drafting the best 17-year-olds at the time, Justin Barron was probably in that first round range in terms of what scouts thought was going to happen in 2020. I mean, I count myself among those. He had some really good uh, numbers from the from the Halifax Mooseheads that year. Uh but he's a guy who I tracked a few games of last year, ran some data on him. I didn't see necessarily, you know, if you were going to say at 25, here's a, you know, pick a defenseman at 25. I mean, looking at the guys who went off the board after him, William Belinder, Helga Grants, mm. uh, even a Ryan O'Rourke, a Brock Faber, like maybe not Brock Faber, but there were a number of names on defense that I certainly would have considered ahead of Justin Barron. I mean, and the big thing with him is that, you know, his, his best attribute that I tracked was sort of transition defense, which is not what I expected. But the problem is when the puck gets into the defensive zone, I mean, he was the worst player that I tracked last year on at any position in terms of suppressing dangerous shot attempts against. So those, those shots from in front, he faced the most amount per 60 minutes of five on five of anyone that I tracked. And part of that, sure. The moose heads weren't great. Uh, but I tracked a lot of guys who weren't on great teams and they managed to generate better results than that, especially on defense. So I, I get the feeling that he, I don't know if he was just hurt all year, but between my data from last year and what I've seen of him at the world juniors this year, I kind of, I can't help but think there were better options there. I know that he was skating with Nathan McKinnon for the summer before the draft, uh, so maybe there's some sort of connection there with Halifax and, and just being from Nova Scotia and, and, right. and playing there that the team just built a relationship. And the next thing you know, he's a, he's an avalanche because the, I, I don't think they had a pick for quite a while. So maybe they just picked him so that no one else would, but you know, based on what I had seen, I, I definitely wouldn't have had him nearly in that range. But again, I don't want to be the guy that writes off a draft prospect, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, what is it? Four months after they've been drafted. Well, I, I was watching Connor Zari drop and drop and drop. And I, and I was just praying he would go to 25 and then he gets picked at 24, obviously. Um, that's how it usually goes from a fan perspective. But um, do you think that the, the, the selection of Baron was just high risk, high reward? I mean, we have, if he doesn't work out, we're fine on the defensive end, clearly. Um, but if that's the case, then like you said, why not go in a different direction? If you're fine at the defensive end um, and you're taking this guy who has a lot of potential, uh, if he doesn't pan out, okay, but why not go another route right off the bat? 
Yeah. I mean, I could see that. I mean, the other option is trade down, you know, like, right. like I think, I think that's part of it is they think they, they think like what I said earlier, I think they think that there's that D minus one year first round prospect that's somewhere in there that just kind of lost his way due to injuries or whatever. Uh, and his offensive production with the Mooseheads this year has been very good, but that team also has improved around him with a lot of young, skilled, fast players that are really exciting that are coming down the pipe probably next season, if not the season after. Uh, so, you know, maybe that has sort of all worked itself together. I mean, in a straight line, the guy, the guy can really get moving pretty well. His mm-hmm. lateral mobility and ability to sort of keep defenses guessing, I think, is a little bit lacking. His defensive transition game is pretty solid. Um, you know, his positioning is pretty solid. But again, that that lack of agility and adaptability and, and reaction to things that happen in the defensive end and cycles, I think, is what really exposes that sort of lack of defense at five on five with him. But there are aspects to his game that I think are valuable. It's just that I think that in that slot, you're looking at you're looking at some guys that were slipping or or that were available that I think could really become potentially impact players that I think the Colorado Avalanche could have extracted a lot from. But right. if they think that Justin Barron from two seasons ago is coming back now, then sure, it it makes perfect sense at 25 and it's the 25th overall pick. If you get yourself a third pair defenseman there, that's not outrageously poor in terms of a draft selection, especially if they play every day, mm-hmm. um, you know, value drops off pretty quick. He, I don't think he's going to be a top pair guy. I would be surprised if he was a top four, but you're going to need depth and more stability behind guys like McCarr and Bowen, Bowen Byram and mm-hmm. Sam Javard and all these guys down the road. So we'll see what happens. Could they have picked a better player? We'll find out. But I mean, I lean towards yes, but Baron, if he captures what he used to be, perhaps, then there might be something there. Okay. Um, jumping back to the 2019 draft with uh, the Avalanche second pick in that round uh, was Alex Newhook. And after a great freshman year uh, in college, it seems like he, uh, some people have him, believe it or not, like above Bowen Byram as the Avalanche top prospect. Um, what's your take on him? I always really liked Alex Newhook. I mean, last, the the 2019 draft had some, I mean, both 2019 and 2020 had some weird stuff happen up at the top that pushed some really good players down the list. I I was a big fan of Alex Newhook, even though he was playing junior A hockey, which is an area where I really need to see something that kind of knocks me on my, on my heels, you know, like, like it takes a lot for a junior A player to impress me to the point where I'd put them really, really high in the draft. And he certainly was one of those players. Um, and and I think that I don't know exactly what it was that made him slip, but maybe it's because he was a center and small and people are a bit apprehensive around small centers, but his skill level and his evasive ability and his ability to problem solve, like when he's faced with pressure, even if it was at the BCHL level, his ability to think creatively, both be a scoring threat and a, and a passing threat. You know, he made a great duo with Alexander Campbell that year. Um, and I think another guy with the last name Hughes, I think it was Cameron Hughes. I could be wrong. Uh, but anyway, great unit for that team in the, in the BCHL that year. And, and I certainly thought that he was far better than the 16th best player on that list. He flirted with my top 10 here and there. Mm. Um, you know, I, I really, really liked the skill level that's there, the problem solving offensive ability. You know, you're, I don't think you're going to get a premier 200 foot player, but I think he's underrated in that area. You know, he, he wants to go out and compete. And I think, you know, that, that matters. Um, but there's certainly the skill and, and, and the speed that you really want to see that, 
you know, and the pace and the problem solving that I think could make him a really good NHL player. Maybe not a top line elite level player, but the Colorado Avalanche, I think, have that base. They'll have those bases already kind of covered. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a good point with a lot of these guys. Like they don't have to come in right away and, mm-hmm. and be the savior because mm-hmm. uh, the Avs have some star power up front. So. All right. Before we move on, let's just hear from our people at <clears throat> Built Bar. You know it. You love it. And it's the new year. I've been saying for a month now. Why not start the new year off right in a new healthy you and have Built Bar be a part of that? Built Bar is a great and delicious energy nutrition bar for the health conscious guy or girl. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and they're easy to chew. No grittiness that you get from your typical protein bar. Uh, You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for the keto diet if that's what you're into. Uh, The flavor profile for most of these bars are 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. And if you're wondering if they're going to have your flavor, there's 18 different flavors to choose from, like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, coconut almond, banana bread, mint brownie. The list goes on and on. So make sure you go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code Locked On. You get 20% off of your next order. Once again, that promo code is Locked On, and 20% comes off of your next order. Let's take a quick little break, and we will come back and continue with Will. Um, I think one guy that a lot of avalanche players are, are looking to, uh, I don't want to say turn a corner. He hasn't really, he came up last year at Martin Kaut, um, and played pretty well. I think people have been waiting on him to, uh, kind of really take the reins and, and be a, a permanent fixture and not go up and down between the AHL and the NHL. Um, any thoughts on, on Martin Kaut? Yeah, I mean, I always felt that he was kind of a, a a bit of a, I guess, safer swing that you could say. I, I liked him in his draft eligible year. He put up some really good data in multiple different ways for, for both the Czech national team and, and in, in a men's league, which, you know, the Czech men's league is not a, a joke. It's a pretty good league full of grown men who can really sort of do some damage. Uh, and, and they, and he played pretty well. So you know, in that draft, I think when you look back at 2018, you're seeing a bunch of guys who just haven't broken into the NHL yet. I mean, at that pick, you know, you could have maybe gone for a Liam Foodie, but that was a big swing at the time. And he only is just sort of getting his feet going uh, in the NHL. You know, the Philadelphia Flyers drafted Jay O'Brien and he ended up leaving college to go back to the BCHL. Like after him, the guys who have played a lot are Isaac Lundestrom, who to me has been rushed to the NHL and Rasmus Sandin, who is kind of up and down with the Leafs too. And I don't think anyone's writing him off yet. So I think it's a bit foolish to write off Martin Kaut. I think that there wasn't really enormous expectations for him in terms of what he was going to be as a pro hockey player, but as a middle six sort of complementary scoring guy with some size, you know, he wasn't necessarily just a shooting threat when I caught him in his draft eligible year. He wasn't just a, a passing threat either. So he kind of, you know, has a really well-rounded sort of Swiss Army knife kind of game. Uh, that can that can take time to develop. But again, he just turned 21. So I'm going to think that over the next two seasons, even if it takes the full two years, he could carve himself out a role as sort of a third line offensive guy that you can just sort of play every night and maybe get some solid production out of, especially on sort of the valuable, uh, 
the valuable entry-level contract years that that you know are really important so you know I think in terms of sustained success for the avalanche over the next few years, he'll be a part of it. Worst case scenario, I think he's a perfectly reasonable sort of trading chip that you might be able to upgrade another position with if you want to sort of sweeten the pot with something. But Mm. I mean, I think he's coming along just fine uh, for a guy drafted in that slot, considering who was on the board. Um, So I I wouldn't, I wouldn't hit the panic button. Um, So yeah, patience, I think with him a little bit, but again, keeping it in mind that the expectations in the first place was, kind of so-so at the time okay all right um heading into this offseason a lot of avalanche fans wanted joe sakic to make a move at goalie uh he d- came out right away and said he wasn't going to he, he likes what he has with grubauer and Francois. um and they have kind of in their back pocket from the 2018 draft in the third round uh, Eustace and I, is it a Noonan or Anunan? I think it's a Noonan. I'm gonna an- go with my inner Finnish commentator that I've heard many times and go Anunan. <laughs> Anunan, okay. Anunan, do you so, Eustace Anunan? All right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot, there, uh, high expectations for him once he finally gets to Colorado. Um, when could that be? And, you know, what would you like about his game? Well, I would think that that would next year like he's on his entry-level contract he's playing for a really good team in in finland uh sort of one of the higher-end programs in 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 carpet uh i mean i i can't say that i know a tremendous amount of what makes a great goaltending prospect Hmm. i know with Ananen, it's really important to me to sort of look at his past history you know he had last year for him was a very good season for a very good team his world junior was fine i mean finland he went two and four not super great and part of that could be the team as well but you know this season again sort of back to that sub 900 goaltending i don't really know i can't give a a particularly phenomenal answer i just know that when i see a goaltender who's playing against men even though he's only 20 and kind of struggling to get above that sort of 90 percent threshold outside of this sort of one year I don't know. I, I think he has the size to make it work. I'm a guy who usually doesn't really think that much about size, but with goaltending, a couple inches can make a big difference as long as they're athletic enough to sort of work with their frame. I, I think with him, I haven't seen a tremendous amount of him, but just from his statistical sort of track record and basically what I've pulled on him just prepping for this interview, mm. I, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not over the moon, but you know, again, like you said, I think Joe Sackick is right to say he's pretty comfortable with his goaltending situation. Uh, I, I like Grubauer. I think Francouz is only sort of getting his feet going in the NHL. I've always liked him. Um, yeah, it's funny. The other guy in the 2018 draft in net that they drafted is a guy who I actually have really liked whenever I've seen him, and that's Shamil Shmakov, who is uh, six foot six, basically the six foot six Tim Thomas. Like this guy. Wow is hilarious I mean, he's bat- he played he only played seven games last year in the ushl but this year he's gone back to russia uh, and he's playing against men for a really fun program in ufa like they love to push pace and play offense but with you know strong defense as well uh, but they're a lot of fun to watch a lot of young really talented players and he's been goaltending for them this season and playing pretty well and that's a men's league in russia he's only 21 you know, I, I really, really liked him when I caught him playing in the junior league. He was a D plus one pick. He's a 99 kid. Uh, but he was, you know, it was ugly to watch, but he stops pucks. And I guess that's what matters at the end of the day. So yeah. 
maybe there's something with one of these guys that they've drafted that can play in net. But again, you know, goalies are weird, I guess. It's kind of what we're getting around here. Like goalies are weird and all you need is just someone to be competent behind yeah. the kind of team that the Avalanche have. And I think you can go anywhere you want. Right, right. Um, getting to another defender in Connor Timmons. So is there, I mean, what, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to, to, to mention with Tim. I mean, I like him. Is this just where is there just not going to be room for him because they're just loaded with D? Well, yeah. I'm, so if there's no room for him, then I'll take him on my team. Yeah, um, that's the thing. Like he's know, great. Like, I think he's going to be a good player. So yeah, I mean, it's really, really hard when you deal with injuries the way that he has in in his career so far. Concussion problems can can add up over time, but. <laughs> You know, I was a huge fan of Trevor of, of Trevor Timmons of Connor Timmons uh, in in 2017, and I thought that for the Avalanche to get him at 32, I mean, it was a no-brainer. He drove such excellent, excellent results for a really interesting junior team in in the Sioux. You know, one of these really quietly effective guys that just lets the production sort of naturally flow just by being responsible and and smart with the puck and and a solid mobile player. I thought he had a great World Junior the year he went to play for Canada that year. Just a really rock solid defenseman, especially when he had the puck on his stick, really, really comfortable uh, and a good puck distributor. And when I caught the the Colorado Eagles last year, which wasn't a ton, mm -hmm. uh, I, I thought he looked really good there as well. So I'm optimistic that he'll, he'll get sort of, you know, I think stability is very important for young players, especially when they're trying to get their feet going in pro. And when you miss a whole season, like your first season, you miss the whole thing and you don't play a full season the, the year after, this season's going to be big for him, I think. I mean, in the sense of, can he sort of just, it, it, hopefully he can stay healthy, but when he stays healthy, can he sort of keep that rock solid stability and, and, and keep building on his game? Because I don't know if he's like an NHL player right out of the gate. Um, it would be nice because I have him in fantasy hockey, but uh, <laughs> if he isn't, I think it's not necessarily panic mode. I think you have to sort of give him an extended runway. I mean, in the same draft, Gabe Velarde was a top pick for the LA Kings and he's completely dealt with very sort of, you know, a similar lack of experience just because of injuries and things that you can't really do anything about. And he's come back and, and he looks ready to go for the Kings. And, and, you know, it's, the 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 science behind sports injuries and recovery has gone way has gone has come a long way in the last i'd say 15 years you know just from when i went to university 10 years ago i was doing a lot of sports injuries work and just the leaps and bounds that things were were, were working on and growing in terms of treatment and recovery it, it's crazy mm. um especially and and in more recent years i think that's kind of bled into sort of the concussion recovery thing and so you know if if Connor Timmons can sort of get back on the horse that he was riding before getting hurt, I, I think there's still a great player there. I, I, at least a very competent defenseman that can play in the NHL. I, I won't count my chickens before they hatch because yeah. the season hasn't started yet. Um, but a year in the AHL this year, if there is one, just to sort of get his reps, I think would be reasonable. But if, if a taxi squad spot is what the Colorado Avalanche feel comfortable with, then that's perfectly fine as well. You know, they get to keep an eye on him and, and play him with some NHL players and, and keep working on his game. So yeah. we'll see. <laughs> yeah. I think that a taxi squad could definitely be in his uh, future for this season. Mm -hmm. I think um, a couple more, and then I want to get some uh, maybe sleepers if I haven't mm -hmm. mentioned any uh, Alex Bocage um, seems to be, I think maybe 
one of those players that a lot of teams are maybe slapping their head saying, why didn't we take him earlier at this point? I don't know. Uh, what do you think of him? Yeah. So Alex Bocage was a guy who I saw quite a bit of. I know that there are people out there who had him ranked really, really high. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know people are looking at his gold scoring total this year and kind of taking victory laps about what a steal he is. But you have a guy who's shooting 20% in the QMJHL and he has not shot at 20%, I don't think ever in the QMJHL. So I think that that will regress over the course of the season, or if not over the course of his career, not very many guys can shoot 20%, uh, especially in the NHL. So, you know, when you take that out of the equation, you know, he's also a guy who I found had a lot of production come from the power play. Uh, he was another one of these guys who I thought, I, I wasn't surprised he slipped in the draft a little bit relative to expectations. He's a guy who, you know, there's a term probably out there for it, but he, he needed a lot of things to happen that other players did better than him in order for him to be comfortable. So he's a great finisher, great skill and tight. He gets to the middle of the net or gets to the middle of the ice really effectively. Um, really good release on his shot as well. So the fact that he can score goals does not surprise me. Uh, but it's a matter of, you know, it's the matter of the rest of the game that has always sort of given me a little bit of pause with Bocage. I think he could be a, a competent complimentary scorer perhaps down the road you know you have a guy like Alex Newhook who worked with a really good skilled guy who was good at finishing the puck and Alexander Campbell and Junior A maybe there can be some kind of relationship there with Bocage um, you know I, I I don't mind the pick where they took him I mean he's, he can score points and that's right. always valuable um, but I think that that it's kind of important to frame things properly. You know, he took a step back in his production last year when Rune Naranda took a step back as a, as a, in a team quality kind of way. Um, a lot more of his points were coming at, 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 at sorry, not at even strength. Um, so all these things are sort of important to, to keep in mind. I think he'll be an interesting player to keep an eye on, especially once he makes the jump to North America. Um, but, you know, people who see 14 goals in this first 13 games this season might need to look at, how often his shots are going in and look at how often shots in the NHL go in. You got to be a heck of a shooter to, to shoot that kind of a percentage. Right. I, I don't really see that out of him, but again, it's very early in his career and, and we'll see where he's at. Okay. Um, and the last one I just want to ask you about was from this year's draft, their third round pick. Uh, probably we won't see Jean-Luc Foodie for a little while, um, but the abs seem really high on this guy. Uh, for his style of play matching their style of play very fast uh, can score. So um, do you think they got a, a, a I don't want to call it a steal, but uh, a, a pretty good deal in the third round. I was hoping that uh, Tyson Milanic was going to be there. And I did some pretty good CSI work. If I don't <laughs> mind myself, the, the avalanche put up a video just a draft video and their uh, draft uh, one, one of the guys that's, I don't know. I can't remember who it was, but he, he he's in, he's in the war room with them and they're getting ready for day two. And he says, all right, he goes, our top three are foodie. And then they beep out the other two guys because this came out after they selected foodie. So they're not going to say who those two guys were right through uh, me being able to read this man's lips. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said Smolanic. 
And then the third guy, he said, I can't remember who it was, but he was actually, that guy was taken the first pick of the fourth round. I can't remember who exactly who it was, but they wanted either they said foodie first and then they said Smolanic and it worked out where once again, the guy that I wanted went right before the avalanche were picking. I think Smolanic went to uh, Florida, Florida. You're right. Yes. Um, so they ended up with the guy they wanted. Um, can, can he, can he make an impact? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, well, look, I mean, I, I did a report on Jean-Luc Foodie last year. Uh, he's a guy who I, it's funny. I mean, a lot of the work that I do, um, especially once the seasons start to get kind of rolling, is looking at weird situations. So, you know, Jean-Luc Foodie was another one of these guys who was ranked as a first round guy, you know, before the 2019-20 season started. And you know, it was pretty apparent very quickly that something wasn't right. And, and, you know, I had seen Jean-Luc Foodie play in the Holinka last year. I had seen a bit of him play the year before as a D minus one. I, I was really surprised that his game wasn't translating or and his pr- production wasn't increasing. So I had to take a look and see what was going on there. Um, and what I found like blew my mind, it, it completely sort of changed the way that I view certain groups of players. So for like, I'll just, I'll just get to the point. Like, with him, the things that he does so well, he did better than almost anyone that I tracked in the draft last year. And I had about 90 guys that I took a look at, which is he gets the puck in the defensive zone. He doesn't necessarily free up the puck himself. He kind of relies on other guys to do that, but whatever, that's besides the point. He gets the puck in the defensive end and he puts it in the offensive zone with control. Like that's basically all he does. And he does it through speed and skill and just attacking the offensive zone. Like he... He has, he's an extremely polarizing player and I could talk about him all day, Hmm. but he, he has guys who are big fans of him. Like I know I am one of these. I know there are some who think that he's just undervalued, but I think that he's, you know, he is potentially one of, if we look back on the draft, one of the biggest steals in 2020, I think, I mean, that's a, that that's pretty out there to some people, but just based on the fact that he is so good at actually there's two things getting the puck in the defensive end and putting it in the offensive end with control. And then when the puck is in the offensive end, no one that I tracked put pucks in front of the net through their passing more often and completed those passes more often than him. So to me, he's doing all of these things that logically you would think would lead to offense. He's getting the puck, putting it in the offensive zone and just putting the puck in front of the net somehow. And the puck isn't going in. So where's, Where's the the loose end there? Mm-hmm. And when I look at who he was playing with, he was playing with guys like Curtis Douglas, who's a six eight, just sort of defensive center, who the Dallas Stars drafted a little while back. Um, and I'm trying to remember the oh Will Cooley, who the New York Rangers drafted ahead of Jean Luc Foudy. I I think Will Cooley will be a fine player as long as he doesn't have the puck. Um, but Jean Luc Foudy, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm really. I'm not surprised he fell so much. His production wasn't great. His impacts on goals for and goals against were negative. Uh, he, you know, he does have some serious defensive issues in terms of involving, involving himself and closing those defensive cycles down in the offensive zone. He can just skate around and around and around and no one can touch him, but he doesn't do anything. And then eventually someone just takes him out and gets the puck back. And okay. I've seen him playing in Sweden this year a little bit. He's playing in the third division there. 
Uh, not a ton of production there, but you see things sort of turning in his head when he's playing. I mean, he's still got that rush offense, but that instinct to hold onto the puck and, and wait and wait and wait is still there. So I think if over the years he can learn how to just sort of simplify his transition game and say, hey, you've got really good players who can put the puck in the net with you. Like, just tell Alex Bocage to park himself at the offensive blue line, enter the offensive zone with Booty, and be the trailing forward who can sort of finish off a play that Foodie can put together, maybe you've got yourself an offensive sort of third line combination of players. But I, I don't think Jean-Luc Foodie is going to be one of these high octane offensive guys who regresses to sort of a more defense first role. He's either going to be a really, really fun, dynamic offensive forward of some kind, or he's never going to see the NHL. And hmm. I think in the third round, that's the kind of gamble you take. So when I saw the Colorado Avalanche do that, and I thought, oh my God, they have new hook now and, and now they have foodie and they went out and drafted Colby Ambrosio as well. Like these, these really fun, exciting offensive guys who know how to play with skill and aggression and attack the attack, the offensive zone. You, you can sort of see what they're trying to get at, especially when you combine it with their defense as well. So I like the direction that they're going with most of their picks. I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, in terms of the modern game and what to look for in young players. And, and Foodie is a perfect example of that. There were a lot of players in the third round of this year's draft that I thought were taken way too late. And, and Foodie is one of those guys for sure. Hmm. So uh, I'm wrong in wanting Smolanek over Foodie. Oh, no. Smolanek is a, <laughs> is a very good player as well. Uh, I was I was impressed that the the Panthers took a swing on him when they did. He played hurt or he was hurt a lot this year and yeah. had a few issues. But I, I I liked him. But I mean, Foodie was a guy who I had I think just outside my first round. I really really liked. Wow. Him. Okay. All right. Um, anybody on you know the prospect list for the Avalanche that could maybe surprise the fan base? Well, I, I briefly mentioned him. I mean, Colby Ambrosio mm -hmm. always sort of came advertised as a goal scorer, and, and he still does. I mean, he's off to a really good start in, in the NCAA. Most of his five-on-five -five points are goals. Uh, so, you know, I'm always a little bit weary of guys who prefer to score goals themselves rather than have more of a dynamic sort of dual-threat offense. And I didn't see that out of Colby Ambrosio last year when I tracked a couple of games of him. But he certainly has really interesting sort of speed on his feet. He attacks the middle of the ice a lot. Uh, you know, he's got a really, really good shot. Um, so, you know, he's also very young. So I'll take all of these things into account. And, and I like him a lot. Uh, the other names for, for Colorado that they've picked recently that, that I've liked, I mean, Sasha Mutala is off to an okay start so far this season. If I'm, if I'm reading correctly from, from my notes here. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, the biggest ones, I mean, I mentioned sort of Shemil Shmakov already. He was, he's just a fun goaltender to watch. Um, Shane Bowers is still kind of kicking around. I don't yep. expect a tremendous amount out of him, but I think overall the cupboard for, for the team looks pretty solid. I mean, there's nothing necessarily, uh, oh, sorry. I wasn't thinking of Sasha Mutala. I'm thinking of Sample Ranta. Okay. Those, those, I, I, yeah, no. Yeah. Sample Ranta with Minnesota has been pretty good this season as well. So I, I think they have a nice group of of potentially solid complementary pieces, which you need. But there's like a few names that just really headline uh, headline their future. Guys like Newhook and Byram, even a Connor Timmons, if he can figure his game out again or, or stay healthy. 
and then they've got big swings. I mean, guys like Jean-Luc Foudy, he's a big swing for a certain reason. Justin Barron is a big swing for other reasons. Um, you know, they, they've, they've got a few interesting names. I mean, Alex Bocage, you can't take 14 goals and 13 games away from anyone. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with all of these guys. But, I mean, for all of the success the Colorado's had in the regular season to, on top of all of it, right. add the potential they've added, I think bodes pretty well for their future, even if half these guys don't really turn out. I think that's what a lot of Avalanche fans are excited about. I mean, obviously right now they're excited about what they're putting on the ice this season and for the next few seasons, but uh, you know, what they've done in the draft uh, seems, seems to, like you said, you know, some, some of these guys might not pan out, but um, it seems like they have a lot going in their favor. So you're, you're basically telling me, you know, they look good right now and, and the future looks pretty good for the avalanche as well i would think so especially when you look at what they've been able to do with their nhl team i mean there's not that many weak points um and they're in a position where i think there are some names that down the road they can sort of interchange with guys that might be on the way out and you know the easiest way to do that is by developing from within and making good picks and good signings and developing and being patient and i think that you know there's a lot of guys i mean if you're if you're patient with Baron, who knows what he's going to be? I don't know. Um, but, you know, may not have been my guy, but right. if you're patient, who knows? Jean-Luc right. Foudy, he's going to need patience. That's 100% obvious. Right, right. Um, Alex Newhook, Connor Timmons also needs patience. You know, Newhook is going to be another year in college probably. Um, so, but, but I think those things will all pay off down the road for sure. It always pays to be patient with, with young players for sure. Awesome, man. Uh... Yeah, I think, uh, you know, and there's there's other guys that we probably could have gotten to, but, you know, th- that that just speaks to the avalanche pool right now of, of yeah. what they got. But, um, all right. Well, I really, really appreciate you coming on. Um, you want to throw out your your channel and your Twitter and all that stuff one more time? For sure. So you can follow me on Twitter at Scouching. Uh, same thing on YouTube. Uh, just YouTube search Scouching and something will pop up. Uh, <laughs> I do live streams on YouTube every Wednesday. So we took a week off last week, but we're back uh, this week. Um, you can also check out the Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Scouching. You can get access to data visualizations for all the data that I track. Uh, there's a Discord server that is always uh, quite lively, um, full of discussion. And uh, there's plenty of other stuff you can check out on that site. I also have an Instagram if you're, if you're about that as well uh, at scouching underscore will, but I use that for more posting the records I'm listening to and polls, uh, nice. polls on world junior polls on world junior <laughs> games. And, and what are you listening to right now? Just out of curiosity. Oh, okay. So it's funny. My girlfriend and I, uh, obviously Christmas just happened and mm-hmm. we like, I don't know. We had this weird, we've been living together, you know, obviously, throughout the pandemic and 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 sort of under the same roof and rarely ever leaving each other's sight so we had this weird synergy going into christmas where we bought each other uno the card game yeah um and then we also bought each other records that are old japanese pop records from the 80s so there's a couple that we listen to a lot on youtube that that i went out and found on ebay she bought me like a big compilation record of like all these classics from you know the 70s and 80s in japan uh and and just you know we bought each other records that that we've just sort of been playing nonstop because they're just great there's some really really good stuff yeah (laughs) and you know we're all about that weird sort of that that weird sort of side of music where you know you dig up these things from 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 years past and uh 
Yeah, so that's that's mostly been okay. what we listen to. I also have been listening to a lot of Spyro Gyro for some reason. I don't oh, know wow. why. Um, but it's up there. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Yeah, that's good, man. All right. I'll uh, have I think I do follow you on Instagram, so I'll I'll pay more attention to yeah. uh the the music musings that you have. All right, awesome. <laughs> uh thank you. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh definitely, man. Thank you for for coming on. Really appreciate it. Very informative. Definitely follow him. Uh the man knows what he's talking about. So um Thank you very much. Go, absolutely. Go. All right, we'll be right back. before the season and maybe even during the season if we can get and look into our mirror ball and kind of predict maybe some things that are going to happen with the avalanche uh, from a storyline perspective so definitely tune into that once again thank you to will scouch from scouching uh it's a incredible youtube channel definitely go follow it and uh yeah he's good he knows his stuff all right thank you everybody for tuning in and we will see you guys tomorrow here's jovi <laughs>